The Accidental Entrepreneur is brought to you with the help of our sponsor, AWeber, the world's leading small business email marketing and automation service provider. Since 1998, AWeber has helped more than 1 million small businesses and entrepreneurs through its suite of web-based email marketing, automation tools, and education. AWeber, the best option when it comes to marketing your business. The podcast is also brought to you by The Alternative Board. Since 1989, The Alternative Board, or TAB, has been one of the leading peer advisory and business coaching organizations for independent business owners and CEOs across the world. By facilitating peer advisory boards, private one-on-one coaching, and strategic planning services, TAB helps business owners improve their businesses in ways that change their lives. And be sure to connect with our affiliate sponsor, GSM Growth Agency. They're boosting e-commerce businesses to six and seven figures in revenue and cover everything from ads and social media influencers to making your website better. GSM Growth Agency focuses on taking businesses from startup success to bigger success, going above and beyond to make sure growth sticks around. They're all about cool ideas, lasting partnerships, and making your mark in the e-commerce world. And be sure to support the podcast by ordering some logo merchandise from our online store. Listen to all of our sponsors' commercials later in this episode and follow their links in the show notes to learn more about their products and services. And, you know, we have to remember that, that you know, as we discussed, you know, people don't realize they're, they're building equity in this thing. And, and then they, uh, another mistake that they make within that is that they think, I think they automatically think that one day they're going to put their business up for sale and someone's going to come along and write a check and they're out. That ain't how it works. Right. Uh, you're no. going to, you know, look with, with my, I'll tell you when I sold my company, uh, the deal was, and I got lucky. I mean, I, everything just really worked out, B- but it just, I had, we had two parts to it. They paid me, we had a, a mm-hmm. figure, right? A bottom line figure. They paid me, uh, 90% of that figure. Then, uh, th- there was a, a stipulation that said, I will get that remaining 10% in six months mm-hmm. if, we don't lose too many of my clients. Right. It's a retention-based. Exactly holdback. right. Sure. And so that motivated right. me to, it sure as hell did, by the way, to 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 maintain right. contact, help them with the clients, everything else. And so th- you're going to have different ways of getting out of this. And, and by the way, you have to think about, well, who might buy this business? Is it going to be my employees? Will it be an outside person? Is it going to go to a family? Then right. you have to start thinking about the tax ramifications, the the, the exposure to lot, well legal issues, like I'm sure you've seen a few thousand times. So uh, selling yeah. your business just ain't writing a check and, and walking out the door. No. Okay. I want to welcome everybody back to another episode of the podcast. Uh, if you are listening on your favorite directory, please leave us a five-star review when you can. And if you're watching our beautiful faces on YouTube, you can, uh, I don't know, subscribe, like us, all those types of things. So we can uh, keep bringing the quality guests that we have on today. You'll meet Ryan in a minute. So let's get on with the show. The information provided in these episodes is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a guarantee of success or to be construed as advice of any kind. You should always seek advice from local licensed professionals before making any decisions. The dictionary defines an entrepreneur as a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with considerable initiative and risk. People often start a business without much choice, perhaps due to a job loss or just being dissatisfied at work, and they come up with an idea they just know can be successful. They become entrepreneurs by accident, 
that is to say their success or failure happens by accident, not with intention. My name is Mitch Beinhacker. I'm a corporate attorney and a business advisor. You're listening to The Accidental Entrepreneur, my podcast about how to achieve success on purpose, not by accident. Join me along with our monthly guests where we share our knowledge and help you get a hold of your business. And now on to today's episode. Hi, this is Ryan Urban. I'm author of the book, The Business Owner's Guide to Money and a host of the podcast by the same name. I'm really excited to be here and we're looking forward to talking about the seven biggest mistakes that business owners make. All right, Ryan. So welcome to Thank the show. You, Mitchell. Uh, where, where are you located? I forgot to ask. We uh, just moved from Colorado Springs uh, last year to the Carolina Shores. There you go. I got a lot of friends. People who live in Jersey, they're going to like Charlotte and they're going to South Carolina and Hilton Head. And it's just got so expensive in the Northeast. Nobody And a lot of the remote working, they don't have to right. be here. So No, we, we have a know. lot of New Jersey transplants here. A lot of them. More, sure, in fact, I hear, sure. well, I hear a New Jersey accent more than I hear a Carolina accent out here. <laughs> I'm sure, right? Because it's changing so much. So it's funny when you live in the, wherever you live, it doesn't sound like you have an accent, right? Until you go somewhere else and then you realize that you <laughs> right. do. So, but I appreciate coming on. I know you're, I don't have a lot of financial advisors come on the show because they, and we're not really going to talk about necessarily that today. We're going to talk about the business right. stuff, but you know, a lot of them are, aren't independent. You're an RIA and so forth. They have a lot of compliance issues with coming on yeah. the show because their compliance people think they're going to say something that's promissory or you know things like that. So I don't think we'll run into that today. But I, I know you've been in the business about 20 years, um, but you must have had a career before that. So since this is a pot, you know, an entrepreneurial podcast, maybe you want to give us a little bit of background on yourself and how you, you know, your career there and then how you made the switch to uh the financial advisor. We'll talk about your book, your podcast, and the whole thing. I love other podcasters. Great. Right. Good. Uh, well, I, I've actually had two careers. Uh, the first one, uh, I, my degree is in, in broadcasting. And um, I was in radio for about 20 years. And I spent Perfect. much of that time doing uh, hosting uh, morning shows where you're, you know, you're getting up at 3.30 in the morning to be funny at 5.30. And right. uh, <clears throat> that wears on. Like the morning too, right? Like it's the morning zoo with Ryan Urban. Just like that. Just like that. And uh, so it was weird because I always kind of felt like I was just doing that until I figured out what I wanted to do when I grew up. And one day I was, uh, I was doing an appearance, you know, where you're, you show up somewhere and they pay you to shake hands or whatever. And I will never forget. I was, I was sitting in my car at a seven 11 in Santa Cruz, California. And I was thinking to myself, I, I, this is not what I want to do. You know, what What would really excite me? And I already right. knew the answer, and that was finance, because I, I, I like to invest and, you know, et cetera. And I thought to myself, man, I'm going to have to do testing and, and get this credential and that credential. And I thought, well, you right, know, right. the time's going to go by anyway. So so do it, you know. And everything changed. I, um, I Long story short, I, made a, uh, I became a financial advisor. I did that for about 20 years. And then one day last year in July – out in the blue, the, the phone mm-hmm. rang and, you know, we talk about exit planning for, for, for businesses. Well, sure. the, the right. phone rang out of nowhere and it was a, a, a competitor, a, a, a group who wanted to, to uh, merge. And I said, I'm not okay. really interested, but I'm actually probably closer to retiring. And they said, oh, well, that could work too. So uh, okay. October 31st, we closed and uh, yeah, you know, okay. the numbers look great. And um 
So we moved out here to. So it's a year coming up next week. That's exactly yeah. In fact, right. so is my contract because right. uh, the part of the buyout was that I would work. You know, I would be available to them for for a year. Um, and, and so we uh, we sold the house in Colorado Springs and moved out here to the Carolina shores. And um, I, I'm nowhere near being able to retire. I, I I don't know what I would do if I were to retire. Uh, so right. I, I started yeah. doing uh, just consulting, you know, financial consulting and. Uh, hourly fee basis only. So it's, it's very low key as needed, if needed, you know, that kind of thing. So you're not even selling products anymore. You're just not, you don't have anything parked with their broker deal or anything like that. You're just doing yeah. advice based yeah. stuff and writing books, right? We're going to talk about your book in a bit and you still do the podcast. Still do the podcast. Right? And, and so, uh, I'm, I'm keeping my foot uh, firmly still in, in the business. Yeah. Broadcasting. Absolutely. Well, you know, I, I'm like a big, so what, the funny thing was about, Let's say we've been doing this about four and a half years. So when I got started in podcasting, I was always, you know, consuming podcasts. I, I don't really listen to the radio. I'm just always listening to podcast things. Uh, a lot of historical stuff, you know, things on NPR, you, you know, stuff like that. Some series that I find or whatever. My son's always finding cool stuff to listen to. So, and when I used to be in the car more, I would listen mm-hmm. even more. But then one day, you know, I have to produce content for my practice, right? Everybody's got to do content marketing and. I think I watched like a video from Pat Flynn or something like that, where it said, you can start a podcast for 75 bucks. And I was like, <laughs> you can do that. Like, don't, don't I need like a sound guy and a studio? And all? So I bought the, and it was crap. Like in the early days, you could listen to the first few episodes. It sounds terrible. <laughs> uh, I cleaned, I figured out how to clean it up through some filters. So we had really cheap equipment and, and this, even this stuff is, you know, it's an eight um, audio technical mic headphones. I got a small uh, mixing board over here. Maybe five or six hundred bucks, but then it was seventy five bucks. So we got started, and I realized that we could produce content. Eventually, the wages became me, and uh, I've enjoyed it along the way because I've met three or four hundred right. different people from around the world and able to connect with them now through this studio and Zoom. Before the pandemic, I was doing it in my office. Oh. Right, we had two of the two of the what are these called? Like these boom yeah. mics or whatever on opposite ends of the table, and the guy would sit there. I didn't have any video, and we would talk. And then when the pandemic hit, I was like, wow, we can like capture this yep. video. And then people would write me and say, hey, can we use my video? I'm like, we didn't have video. You were in my office. What are you talking about? Oh, yeah. I was wondering how you did that. Yeah. You know, so I don't want to be somewhere I got to have four or five cameras. But I love to meet people that have been, you know, in the voice business. Because that's really what you are, right? It was no video. Yeah. It was audio. It was radio, yeah. right? Yeah, to, to see what uh, a career. But I guess you're right. You started out thinking, oh, I'll do this for a while and figure out what I'm going to do. And then. How many years later? Uh, 20, about 20 you're years. Like, yeah. So 20 years later, you're still practicing, deciding what you're going <laughs> to what you're gonna do. But I guess you've enjoyed being a financial advisor, like you found it fulfilling and all the people you've helped yeah. over the years. Well, the, I, I, no doubt. And and the thing was, that one, one of the things I had to be able to do when I left radio was I wanted it to be something that I wanted to do even though I wasn't at work. Does that make sense? And, yeah. and I, I'm yeah. addicted to, to doing financial research and, and checking stocks and funds and everything else. And so why, you know, why completely leave it? You know, it's, it's fun. And I, I, I it's weird to say it's fun and, and I become a real geek because of it, you know, but, but, uh, right. yeah, I, I love it. Well, I, I also, I don't think you can really be that effective for your clients if you're not a student of yeah. the business, yeah. you know, I mean, there are people I know, unfortunately, they're just selling stuff and they're with one of the big wire houses and they're getting pushed to do this or that. But if you really want to be a quality guy over time and bring value to people that you meet along the way, you, you gotta be just like in law, you know, you have to be a student of what you do because they're relying on you for, 
you know, to be their personal analyst, to give them, you know, advice, knowing that you're not guaranteeing anything, but, you know, well, to, uh, to hopefully you, you have some intelligence in your head and you, you, you know, you know what you're looking at, understand the markets. Well, in, like in basketball, they call it being a gym rat. In other words, you're, you're just yeah. constantly in it, you know, and, uh, right. yeah, it's, yeah, you either are or you aren't. I don't know if that's something you can fake, you know? Uh, yeah. And any, I know we're getting a little bit off the track, but any, any thoughts about like where we are economically, you, you read a lot about, you know, we're in a really weird economic time where the markets are like responding backwards yeah. and, and the real estate market's going up, but interest rates are rising and it's just crazy. You have any thoughts? As I look at, at where we are right now, I, I'm almost, I don't know if you've heard anyone else say this. I, I think we're almost at a point now after uh, what, uh, 15 years after the meltdown of being mm-hmm. back to close to normal. And in other yeah. words, if you look at, at, for example, a 10-year bond, right when the mm-hmm. crash hit in 2008, it's right about where it is now. We're back. You could yeah. get a money market fund for yeah. 5% back then. So so it's right. actually possible that once we get through this weirdness, it, you know, we took a real shock to the system. And I don't think a lot of people fully understood that. We, we, we just about didn't survive uh, September 2008. Um, but- right. Uh, yeah, yeah you know, crazy. interest rates are okay yeah. where they are right now, and it wouldn't be bad if we stuck here for a while. Yeah, historically, the, the weird thing is, is that you're really waiting for the real estate market to yeah. deflate, and there's no supply, right. so it just economics. Yep. I don't care how what the interest rates are; it keeps people from selling their house because they're like, "Well, where am I going to go?" And then building is way mm-hmm. down, uh, you know. Now, at least in our area, you see. I mean, we used to have builders popping houses up all over the place. You don't yeah. really see as much as you, as you used to. So I don't know, it, just like in 2008, something's going to crack and uh, there'll be another, another adjustment. Yep. So, all right. So let's get into, because I'm all, I have to confess that and shameless plug. I'm also an author. Um, my book is a, a, a 10 ways book. So my book is called, I think I might have it here. It's called 10 ways to, um, let me see. Do I have the book cover? Uh, no, I can't, I don't see it. Okay. My book is called 10 Ways to, what is it? 10 Ways to Get Sued by Anyone and Everyone. <laughs> Got it. Small business owners guide to staying out of court, to doing the things, you know, following a business plan, doing things in writing, make sure things are tied up with your partner. You know, don't, you know, be careful with your employees. Make sure you have proper insurance. I interviewed a lot of attorneys for the book. It's only like 120 pages or whatever. But I like your book. Your book is seven. Well, Things the book is called The Business Owner's it. Guide to Money, but but uh, I've been doing uh, the, the seven biggest mistakes business owners make really is is simply just f- from experience. And, you know, and and you see the same things over and over again. Over and, and over. And That's it just it begins book, yeah. to really sink in. So I just thought I would, you know, spit them out all at one time and, and uh, uh, you know, offer this. So. All right. So and they're not all financial, no. right? Well, they're they're yeah. all business related. But they're not all financial, of course. Planners. Right, 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 right. Well, I, th- I think there's a ga- there's a little bit of a gap when it comes to financial planning in the world, right? Most financial planners are doing personal financial mm-hmm. planning for individuals, families, and things like that. They're not really doing business financial planning, and it's a different world. There's more. It's more, you know, P and L, and you know, stuff like that. Maybe employee benefits and and all kinds of things you do with your partners and succession planning and. You know, that type of stuff. So maybe you want to highlight the book or let's have a conversation about 
things that business owners should know that that you find that they do sure. wrong. Uh, and by the way, you know, a, a business owner has has really a, a very difficult set of circumstances because people who have, for example, a four hundred one k, you can extrapolate out what that thing is going to look like in X years and Social right. Security and all this other thing. But with a business, for many people, that's going to be their nest egg. And a lot of them don't know, yeah. and, and I'll bet you've seen this a lot too, Mitchell, and that is um, they don't realize that they're building equity. Uh, like you're, Right. They don't even look right. that way until it's too late. they got to do it That's early on. They exactly really right. Okay. So number right, one, right. Uh, the number one thing I, I want to bring up is is they don't, uh, whether they're an existing business or, or just planning a new business, they don't maintain a current business plan. And here's, yeah. here's the issue Big with time. that. Uh, a business plan, for the most part, you know, it's it's nice and pretty. It has cool graphs and, and numbers and all this. But right. the, the issue with a business plan, and by the way, full disclosure, I don't write business plans. So this is not a commercial for what I do. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> but, uh, it's a big part of my book, too, oh, by the way. Oh, good. So, well, yeah. and, and it's my yeah, opinion it that, that a business owner has to write it himself. And the reason for this is once it's written – it's not, it's, it's, it has value, but it's the writing of the plan that has the value. And why Correct. is that? Well, you have to look at your industry. You have to look at your competition. You have to look at your cost. You have to look at, at, at marketing. You have to look at all yeah. these different things and it forces you to look at it. And I'll tell you, if, if you have right. not yet started the business and you write this business plan, you may find it ain't going to work. And I would, I would rather right. have you, I would. Right. I, I would much rather have you uh, discover that before yeah. you've maxed out your credit cards. All right. Yeah. And and if you're an ongoing business, well, then it's good to refresh. You still have to know what your competition is doing. It's a working marketing company. changes. Yeah. It, you know what? Good ideas are not necessarily good businesses. Yes. I was just talking to somebody about that today. We were in a networking group and um, she's a, um, uh, one of the people in the group also does sewing as a hobby, quilting, things like that. And she makes these bags for people and is starting to sell them, whatever, but it's still a craft hobby. So we were talking about the cost of, you know, creating one of these things in your time and so forth. And somebody did bring up the point and said, well, if you're charging, let's say $50 for a bag and it costs you $15 to make, and then you have so many hours into it and you're only making $8 an hour, you might still not be able to charge 50 because nobody will pay 50 for the bag. So therefore you're going to be underwater with every product that you put out. And (laughs) You know, you have to you have to go through those exercises to see those, and maybe it is in maybe it is surmountable. Maybe yeah. you can offshore mm-hmm. the product. Maybe there's ways to do it less expensively. But you, like you said, right? Those are very expensive lessons yeah. that that people learn um, when it comes to that kind of stuff. And I always feel that there's like four major. I, you know, business plans are like eight to ten to twelve sections right. usually. If you look at, I usually look at like there's four major categories. If you can deal with the four first to start. At least we're on the road, right? There's like your your product or service. There's your people because it might not just be you. There may be things that you shouldn't be doing. There's definitely the marketplace, marketing, competition, how you're going to market, all that kind of stuff. And then obviously the financials. What is your actual cost of doing business? Not just your cost yeah. of goods sold. There's more yeah. than that, right? Now, now you get involved with this. You got to have warranties and you need an attorney and you got to get insurance. And don't think about this, this kind of stuff. But you, Ryan, I can't tell you how many business owners call me and say, Mitch, um, I need your help. Remember that business that I opened four months ago? Yeah, we need uh, to shut it down. I'm like, uh, didn't we? Didn't you just like sign a lease for five years? So I got to negotiate them out of the lease. 
I got to negotiate them out of uh, maybe equipment leases, whatever, to clean up and mit- mitigate yep. their losses. Because And my first question is always, well, can I see a copy of your business plan? And it's like yeah. crickets. Yeah, yeah. They're like, I don't know, business yeah. plan. Like, like what? So, yeah. So that's, uh, yeah. So I'll let you comment. Well, I, I'm always begging people to learn uh, uh, Microsoft Excel uh, because y- y- you have to run the numbers. Yeah. And if you don't, you're, you're, and you have to do the research to run the numbers. You have to find out what these costs are. You just listed off what? Right. Six, seven, eight different costs. And yeah. that was off the top of your head. And, you know, so, so right. that absolutely has to be done. And, and again, it can be done even yeah. if you're in ongoing concern because things change, situations oh, change. Right. And you need to know exactly if you're uh, what was a good example? I had a woman on my podcast. She has a commercial cleaning company, right? Very successful. She knows exactly how many more customers she brings on before she hires yeah. a new crew because she knows how much the crew costs and how many jobs they can take on and so forth. And the people that really know their numbers, they're the ones that really can deal with, because life's not a straight line, right? right? Nothing mm-hmm. happens that way. That's not the way financial planning yeah. works. And you got to you got to deal with those. So if you know your numbers, as soon as they change, you can say, well, I know this costs me this. We're going to adjust this. We can do that. And people just exactly. don't. They're, they're accidental entrepreneurs. <laughs> That's the problem. Please, please do that. Yeah. Number two is actually related to that. And that is they, they don't build out their business owner's skill set. Now, what mm-hmm. I mean here is you may be the world's best plumber or florist or chiropractor. That does not mean you're going to be good at being no. a business owner. And so right. business owning means things like having communication skills, detail skills, number skills, creative. You have to be curious. If you're going to be a good business owner, mm-hmm. you have to have your temperament in check. You have to be leadership. You have to be able to speak bookkeeping a little bit. Yeah. And, and and so therefore you and I say build out that doesn't necessarily mean go to school but it does mean to be able to plug into services and processes that you can yeah. farm out okay yeah. so kind of keep that in the back of your mind too as you're putting this together that where are my weak points it's okay if you have them we all do but but if they're right. important to the business you better have a plan yeah well just because you get out of dental school or you come out of chiropractic school or one another profession doesn't mean that you're equipped to start your right. own practice, right. but you can be. Right. It's just that don't kid yourself to think that you are when you haven't gotten any yeah. training yeah. for it. Don't teach you that stuff. You know. Uh, number three is they don't lean on their business reports, and and this is things like your balance sheet and your cash flow statement and uh, your your income statement. Now, here's this is similar to the business plan, Mitchell, in in that. A lot of people will will print this thing out. They'll glance at it, and where does it go in the drawer or whatever? No, what you what you need to do is if you're printing these out once a week or once a month or once a quarter. To me, when I look at one of these, and I'll bet to you too, when I look at an income statement, I see a bunch of questions. You know mm-hmm. how how am I optimizing every line item on this sheet, or am I? And that gives right. you an opportunity. What about, what are my costs like? What can I do about that? What's my insurance cost right now? What, what's this? What's that? Right. And so every time you print this out, it's an opportunity. And if you have a key person, and we're going to talk about that, but if you have a key person with whom you can discuss this, that's when you sit down and say, are we optimizing all these numbers? Right. Yeah. I think when you do a PL, things always jump out where you're like, what is that figure? Right. 
how come that's so high? And sometimes things are miscategorized. Sometimes they're just like, well, why did it cost us that much to do this? Is there a better way to do it? But if you stick your head in the sand, you don't look at your numbers. I I, I don't know what your thoughts are about it, but I think people are afraid sometimes psychologically to look at their numbers. They think, well, the revenue won't be high enough. The expenses are going to be too bad. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. It's going to be a mess. They shy away from it, which doesn't help. Well, it's, it's the same reason that I have so much trouble getting people to to do a budget because they just don't want to see it. And, and you know, I get it, but you're, you're, you're hurting yourself. You're hamstringing yourself if you don't do it, you know? Right. Okay. Um, we, we've touched on number four, and I want to flesh this out. They don't mm-hmm. build around an exit plan. And here's what I right. mean by that. It, it struck me one day, <laughs> we, we look at, at, 12 things, you know, to, to make sure that, that you're exiting your business properly. It occurred to me one day that the things that the, the steps you can take to make your business more valuable to sell one day helps you right. today. It Always. makes your business yeah. run better today. And so you never right. know, look what happened to me. The phone just rang one day and I, you know, Fortunately, yeah. I'd been listening to myself and following my own advice. Right, you were prepared. But a lot of people, it comes knocking and they're not prepared. Right. Their financials are a mess. They've been running their business into the ground because they don't want to pay taxes, which I understand that. But it becomes a problem when somebody looks at your books and records right. and says, Ryan, you're losing like $300,000, $400,000 a year. You're like, no, I'm not. I'm paying my bills. What are you talking about? But all those hidden costs and things in there that are running through yeah. your business. Yeah. And you know, we have to remember that, that you know, as we discussed you know, people don't realize they're, they're building equity in this thing. And, and then they, uh, another mistake that they make within that is that they think, I think they automatically think that one day they're going to put their business up for sale and someone's going to come along and write a check and they're out. That ain't how it works. Right. Uh, you're no. going to, you know, look with, with my, I'll tell you when I sold my company, uh, the deal was, and I got lucky. I mean, everything just really worked out, but it just, I had, we had two parts to it. They paid me, we had a, a mm-hmm. figure, right? A bottom line figure. They paid me uh, 90% of that figure. Then uh, th- there was a, a stipulation that said, I will get that remaining 10% in six months mm-hmm. if we don't lose too many of my clients. Right. It's a retention-based. Exactly holdback. right. Sure. And so that motivated right. me to... It, Sure as hell did, by the way, to 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 maintain right. contact, help them with the clients, everything else, and so th- you're going to have different ways of getting out of this. And, and by the way, you have to think about well, who might buy this business? Is it going to be my employees? Will it be an outside person? Is it going to go to a family? Then right. you have to start thinking about the tax ramifications, the 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 exposure to lot well legal issues, like I'm sure you've seen a few thousand times. So uh, selling yeah. your business just ain't writing a check. And walking out the door. No, no, it's very, it's very complicated. And other professionals in your business who don't have necessarily transferable books, like my father was in the life insurance business right. for a long time. A lot of those deals are earnouts where they'll say, "Listen, we'll buy your book, what will your client list, but what we're going to do is we're going to pay you whatever thirty, forty percent of whatever we earn off the book for the next three to five years, right. or something right. like that, because there's nothing, there's no cash flow, cash stream to transfer." Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you know, you can't do it like in other parts of different parts of financial business. Yeah. Keep that in okay. mind. There's, there's a few um, things you can do to, to really optimize your business today. It'll make it more valuable for later. Uh, right, right, right. Well, I think, I think that, and I don't really want to harp on the point, but I, I think that everyone who owns a business or starting a business, I, I know not everybody 
it could be a lifestyle business. That's fine. But you don't want to do it forever. So if you want to get value out of it, you got to start thinking about how do I build value? How do I pay some taxes? How do I start to run this thing like somebody else could take right. it over someday? You know, the e-myth type That's of right. thing. So yeah, got huge, it. huge, huge. Number five, they don't tax plan. Uh, when we, uh, most businesses, when you when you give your, your numbers to your CPA yeah. or your tax preparer, that person is looking in the rear view mirror. All right. You have to right. look through the windshield. And, and there are things that obviously there's a, there's a list of things. Now it's a finite list. There's not a million things you can do, but there's a finite right. list of things that you can do to either mitigate taxes or to redirect those funds so that they can help you build the business while getting tax breaks. Right. right. So, and that, and I, you know, on my podcast, uh, we do taxes quite often and because it's such an important thing and over and over yeah. again, you know, I'll get the experts on cause I, you know, taxes make me, you know, nervous, <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah. I'll get a tax person on and, and organization is the thing they always talk about. Be organized because a tax preparer is not a mind reader. All right. right. No, no, no. They're just going to take your data and put it in and That's here's it. your tax return. This is what you yeah. You're like, I owe $250,000 more. Well, can't we find some deductions? They go, okay, well, I don't That's have right. that data. That's right. No, so yeah, I get clients call me. Didn't we lose money on that business like two years ago? I'm like, yeah. Uh, did you write that off? No, but we have this big gain now, and That's right. you know, so then you're dealing with a judgment maybe you have that was uncollectible or whatever yeah. happens to do. Why don't, why don't we do this? There's seven things. We're about midway. Yep. Why don't we take a break? I got a couple of commercials, gotcha. and then we'll come back. And we'll finish the book and keep our keep going with the Sounds conversation. Good. Here's a word from our sponsors. Looking to market and grow your business? Or perhaps you're just getting started and want to hit the ground running. AWeber is the best choice for online email marketing and automation of your business. From maintaining a subscriber list to drip campaigns and landing pages, AWeber gives you tools and integrations that make marketing easy and fun. As our partner and sponsor, we use all their tools to promote the podcast and market our law firm. AWeber, the best alternative for online marketing. For over 30 years, the Alternative Board, or TAB, has built a thriving community of forward-thinking CEOs and business owners who want to radically improve their companies. Through unique combinations of one-on-one -on -one business coaching, participation in monthly TAB board meetings with other non-competing owners, a suite of strategic tools, and customized strategic planning workshops, TAB membership can deliver greater strength to your business and a better work-life balance for you and your family. All packaged in a streamlined and affordable service that the people at TAB invite you to try risk-free. Are you struggling with managing advertising due to a lack of time or expertise? Perhaps you're facing challenges in scaling ads for your store. Are you feeling lost when strategies have no success? GSM Growth Agency is your reliable partner in overcoming these business challenges. Feel the impact of collaborating with a team dedicated not only to short-term goals, but also to building long-term partnerships and achieving sustained success. Embark on an exciting journey to redefine the possibilities of e-commerce and create a legacy of unparalleled excellence. Take decisive action now. Follow their link in the show notes to receive a complimentary audit of your Shopify store conducted by a GSM expert. Propel your e-commerce game to new heights with GSM Growth Agency. Follow the link in the show notes to learn more about all of our sponsors. And now back to our show.
Okay, so we were, uh, I think you're up to five, number five or number, number five. six? Okay, okay, number five is uh, uh, mistakes business owners make. They don't prioritize key people. Now, it's as we know, it's hard to find good people. And, and we, we've, we've all yeah. had that. We all know what that's like. Right. Well, there are a couple of points here. Number one, uh, your best person may be the person who buys your business one day. Yeah. Uh, number two, uh, they're going to help you out today if, if you prioritize them and motivate them and incentivize them to do things. Now, there are ways to do this with, with, um, with, with some financial plans where you can, you can carve them out and you can motivate right. them financially. Modified, uh, deferred comp, bonus structures, that's exactly right? Right. restrictive handcuff, like yep. that, right? Yeah, I do and a lot of that. They, give, they give tax advantages uh, to, the, to the business owner. Uh, you're, yep. you, oh, and the other thing is, we're going back to now selling the business. When someone mm-hmm. comes in to buy your business, one of the things they're going to look at is, is the, uh, and this is one of the, the 12 we talk about, is the owner the MVP? And what I mean by that is, is the owner too important to the business? Or do you right. have a key person or a key group who could run this business if you didn't have to? Well, a buyer of your business is going to want to see that. But also, it right. makes your business run better today if you have people to whom you can give important stuff to work on. Right. Could you go away for a month and the business could take care That's of itself? Right. Two weeks, maybe most businesses can exactly. survive. A month is a lot. So, yeah, I also find that with key people, sometimes there's businesses that are too reliant on like one key person. Like literally, they're like, well, if, you know, if this person dies, we don't know the codes to anything. And sometimes you need to, and I've seen other business owners do this where they took their key person. They said, listen, we're, we're paying you for the next two weeks you get off vacation. Don't call. Don't get involved in anything. We're going to see how we do without you. Like you got some time, tell everybody like you're going away, whatever. You're not losing your job. And, and they actually became more important to the business. They became the president or whatever. And they, yeah, and they worked out all the glitches. Like if, you know, w- why this person was handling everything and they shouldn't have right. been and so forth. And they were overworked anyway. But yeah, sometimes you don't realize how much you rely on one person. And then next thing you know, you're hostage yeah. to them. So, well, I don't need to pay you for this business. I know how to run. Exactly I can start right. my own. Exactly right. So yeah. how do you incentivize them? Well, where are they, there are ways to do that. And, and some in, in some ways, it's just interpersonal stuff too. But prioritize your key people. Uh, and then finally, number seven, and this is related to something we discussed earlier. They don't mm-hmm. prioritize communication. I'm not talking about communication with clients or prospects or vendors. I'm talking about intercompany communication. All right. Okay. So how does that manifest? It can be, uh, in the book, I call it the, the, the feng shui <laughs> of the business. And that is how right. does information travel through this business? Uh, where are the bottlenecks? Can Do people feel like they can communicate with somebody else or are you siloed out? And I've been in that situation. Right. Siloed out is a big problem. People don't know what's going on. They're not communicating and yeah, they're not supporting. They're not on the That's same right. page. They're not, you know. There's yeah. there's too much competition. You, you got to be behind your Right. Yeah, now you're competing internally, let right. alone externally. So, and, and again, th- and this could also apply to the key person situation. If you're not expressing, if you're not communicating well with them, maybe they don't understand how much you appreciate them and how much you need them. Well, yeah. again, yeah. we talked about how you know a business owner doesn't build out their skills. Well, this is one of them, and this is something I believe can be learned. And 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 you know, in the podcast, my podcast, I had a guy on. We talked about communication. And, and he mm-hmm. pointed out how simple it is, just a little sentence here and there. 
can make sense. Right. You say the right thing and, and that person's going to go home and tell their spouse, you know, it's going right. to make a big difference. So motivate your people with, with communication, but also remember that poor communication kills. It can kill. Right. A yeah. Yeah. I think in that same regard, leadership is important when it comes to motivating your people and communicating with them properly and empowering them and making them feel like they have ownership in this business and that it's important to them, not just yeah. to you. And there's a lot of business owners that are, you know, like, well, this is my place and I don't care if they don't want to work at home. They got to come in. We're going five days a week and that's it. And then half of their people quit. They're like, what? Well, uh, they're know. not like me. So, yeah. You know, that's uh, they don't see right. that. And, uh, you know, that's right. the thing is, you know, Mitchell, we as business owners, it, we, we naturally do things our way and, and we, we don't want a lot of input because we have a vision. Well, that's fine. Right. But it can be yeah. overdone too. And you have to be able to listen and they have to, and just as importantly, they have to know that you're listening. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah. And, and, you know, one of the financial, and we, this has not really been very financial in nature, but one of the financial things you can do for your people is do a, a very simple profit sharing so that, so that they are engaged and they do work for right. the better of the company. And it's, it's, I know it's yeah. a cost, but a, it's, you write it off and B it's, you do it right. It's going to work. Yeah, that's also a good time to maybe visit if you haven't done so. Things like non-competes or non-solicitation agreements where, you know, it's not that necessarily the person can, yeah, they can go start their own business, but they can't steal all the clients of the company and things like that. Or maybe a buy-sell agreement at that time too, where you say, hey, would you be willing to agree and we can fund this with different products and different things to be the person who takes over this business, you know? Um but the, yeah, it's always good to have some consideration when you ask somebody, hey, would you sign this so you don't like walk out the door and take all of our clients yeah. with you? Because people, can, there's a lot of businesses that come to me and say, listen, I'm really nervous. You know, Ryan's been with me a long time. He knows all mm-hmm. of our clients. I, I got to prevent him from stealing and you know, taking our customers. He's going to go out and start his own. Well, what do, what do you have in writing now? Well, nothing. Well, what incentive does Ryan have to do to sign away his rights to take your people it's, you know, it's life. You're doing business. Well, well, maybe we could put a package together that makes it better for Ryan to stay and not destroy the business than, than not, well, you know. Um, I do a lot of non-qualified planning, too. Some of it is expensive, so you're not talking about, you know, new business owners and small yeah. companies. But, you know, some of it's using the tax code to carve out, like you said, um, just for individual people, key mm-hmm. personnel. And, you know, it kind of tiptoes around the tax code and uses yep. different treasury rulings and things like that. And, uh, well, you yeah. can, so, what I like about those plans is that there's a cash value there and that money can be used tax advantaged at least to, to be right. seed money to buy the company. Right. Well, that's yeah, so, exactly I mean, that's what uh, you would do. Put insurance in place in case the guy died, but if he didn't, you would have money accumulated. Exactly right. Yeah. So, take it over. And then, you know, that could be the down payment. You say, listen, we'll put the money away to, as a down payment. And then you pay us over time. To do this. I'll tell you, I have a, a client in Denver uh, and that's what we're doing with them. They, they, they found this guy who had no business experience. He had did not have a degree in business. He just, it, he just took to it and he ran with it. And it, you know how it is that you just, I don't know, it just worked for him. Relentless, and the guy yeah. said, the business owner said, this guy, I can't lose this guy. And so we said, well, wait right. a minute. I, I said, you're kind of 
you know, you're going to be selling here before too long. And he goes, yeah. And I said, okay, so we just set it up. We set up an NQDC, a non-qualified deferred compensation. The guy, the kid is, is mm-hmm. just head over heels loving this because he didn't have to go through all the hassle of starting a business one day. It's sitting there waiting right. for him. The money is growing there in his account. He's having to pay a little bit extra in taxes. Yeah. But he knows it's all going to be worth it, and and the the business owner's winning because he's keeping his guy. It's just right. it's a win win situation, and he's got the peace of mind of knowing that he's got an exit down the road. I mean, that's I think that's a big fear of people when they've been running their business for twenty thirty years. They're tired, maybe they even enjoy their business, but they're like, well, I can't do this yeah. forever. And that's when they start thinking, like, well, what am I going to do? And it's difficult. I've had businesses go to business brokers, and the broker's like, well, you know, we can get a couple hundred thousand dollars for this yeah. thing. But, I, you know, what are they buying? You know, um, you know, if you're a bakery, somebody's buying your bakery, but they don't want to bake what you bake. So what are they buying? Pots and pans and an oven and I don't know, yeah. you know. Um, by the way, that's that's another thing in my book. Um, I know we didn't get through all of yours yet, but is, is the um, lack of – properly written partnership agreement. So you're in business, right? With uh, bakery is a good example, right? Because there's all kinds of intangible things. There's recipes, there's pictures of the stuff you made, there's all kinds of things. And I've had several business owners in those types of businesses, food service, where they're breaking up, they don't want to be in business together anymore. And they're arguing over spoons and knives and forks, and it's a mess and a lot of legal fees. And usually that comes down to who has more money to deal with the, the lawyer's and no leverage, yeah. you know, and you, you lick your wounds and you whatever, you start yeah. over. It's, it's not it's not good. But if they had a an agreement that said, listen, if we break up, which is always the part of the agreements that are missing, it's all you read these agreements that are written not by lawyers. They don't they don't include the other side of the agreement, which is what if there's a dispute? How do we resolve it? What if we have yeah. to break up? That's really the purpose of yeah. the agreement. Right. And if they had those in place, it would they might not be happy either way. But, well, you know. You can understand that, that you're you're all excited about starting this new business with your buddy and and you know you don't want to broach that subject but man you got to do it you got to stick just get it done get it over with and say look this isn't personal clean up for your for your business yeah. yeah no question about it no question about it yeah i mean look it raises the question of everybody getting married and have a some sort of prenuptial agreement right because it just makes it easier if thing but nobody wants to do that because they're like well then we're going assuming that That's we're right. going to get divorced right. i'm like well yeah you don't assume that but if you do it's going to be pretty much yeah. of a mess well now yeah. there's another way to do this you know if, if you want to kind of do this softly and that is if you're going to do something like that include it in a buy sell agreement where you're talking about if one of us dies if one of us gets right. sick if one right. of us decides this or that yeah that way at least <laughs> You, you know, it's not like, um, you know, if I end up hating your guts, you know, I want out. You know. Yeah, you can deal with it on a soft <laughs> side and focus on the other things. And just yeah. Make, yeah, I do that because I say, listen, there's retirement. There's voluntary voluntary retirement. You want to walk away. There's involuntary retirement. You're getting sued, yeah. something like that. There's death. There's disability. Um, I guess there's also if you like break the law, you know, we find that you're a drug smuggler. That might bring some ill will on the business. Maybe you got to you got to leave. But uh, yeah, people don't think of the craziest situations that happen in life to people that have nothing to do with the business, but destroy the business. You know, I mean, you've seen radio programs where the the, the, it's a radio show and one of the guys gets uh, he's laundering money. There was a guy on the radio just recently up here where he was arrested for running a Ponzi scheme with like the listeners and whatever. It had nothing to do with the show. It had to do with his personality and he was taking advantage of it. And yeah, he went to jail. <laughs> so they got to get a new guy for the show. So yeah, 
people just <laughs> just don't they they don't think crazy um what they're doing yeah so where were we sorry interrupt nope that's okay uh, I, I i'll do it very quickly the these these seven are one please please stay on top of a business plan whether it's your new or your established number two is build out your your business owner's skill set find out where you're weak and 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 find systems or way to get better um, lean on your business business reports ask questions on each line item build an exit plan because you can help yourself today by doing that Mm-hmm. Uh, tax plan, look through the windshield instead of the rear view mirror, uh, prioritize your key people, incentivize them to do even better and stay with you for a long time and prioritize inter-company communication so that so that stuff, the business doesn't die inside the business. And and we've, we've seen that. We've all seen that. Yeah. Yeah. And you know how you know those seven things are tried and true? Because if you look at my book, if you look at other books, they all overlap. Yeah. Like these are all common Things And for anybody listening, I have a template. I'm sure you have materials. If somebody's looking for a basic way to get started, reach out to one of us. I assume that your, that your book's available yes. on Amazon. Yeah. Um, and uh, we'll put links in the show notes to you know whatever you want to do, resources for people. Um, but it would really improve the chances of success, which is one of the goals of the podcast, no question about it. You know, from instead of being, you know, 50% over two years and probably 80% failure over, you know, five years. And that doesn't include the ones that struggle and just make yeah, it through yeah. that period of time, but are still struggling, right? If they just would do these things, like you can become, it's not hard to find out the things that you said. They can look it up. They'll find your book. They'll find mine. They'll find yeah. other resources. It's not difficult. But the difficult is, I think, you give me your opinion. Uh, you got right brain, we got left brain. The entrepreneurs love the right brain stuff, right? They love the creative stuff, making your product, doing the marketing, putting together a brochure, white, getting a website. We're all excited. They stay away from the left brain stuff, and that's where all the traps that's right. are. That's where the flags raise up and go, holy shit, we can't charge enough for this product to make any money. Well, maybe we could package it with somebody else, something else. Maybe we could do it off, off uh, overseas. You know, I've had companies buy things like. Let's say e-commerce sites, you know, they're doing some sort of a drop ship mm-hmm. type of a thing and they're selling mm-hmm. something. Then they get a sample. It looks great. They later find out that the guy in China, the company in China substituted the product and he's sending some crap out to people. And they, yeah, I had a guy doing shoes. They were leather shoes of some sort. And uh, the, um, I was just talking to him the other day and discovered the shoes were plastic. Like whatever they were sending wasn't the same thing as the item that we, they thought Oof. they were buying. Jeez. And, you know, I, they lost money. I guess I'm not shocked. You know, their you know. uh, well, and there's, I would add to that, you know, you, you know, those are cheap, but you don't have any control. Right. There, you know, those two things that you said, the left brain and the right brain, that is so critical. And then on top of that, there's one more thing. And that is the emotional aspect of, of, of momentum where, where you've decided you want to start this business. And it's like, you know, when you meet someone new and you find a way to mm-hmm. kind of not see all the bad it's all emotion, right? It clouds yeah. everything. And, and you really need yeah. to be able to use your left brain and 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 think critically, you know, and say, look, this is a roadblock. This is a problem. I can't, I'm going right. to lose money every time I sell this and I ain't going to make it up on volume. Yeah, that's like the biggest myth in business. If you're losing money on one product, you can't make <laughs> it up in volume. I mean, there are situations where if you're buying 10,000 units, it's going to be cheaper and you will, but that's the Amazon model, right? Let's lose money to not everybody's going to make it like Jeff oh. Bezos, right? 
It's not going to work. It's going to be too long of a runway for you to get up to the point where there is any profit. And by the way, you still have those losses yeah. to make up. So it's a combination of profitability and making up for the mm-hmm. losses that you had previously. And it's it's a it's a race you can't run in most. I had cases. A, a good friend of mine who who uh, developed a um, a product for seniors to help them open doors easier. Very very simple little thing, and he pitched it and. A, a, a very large national retailer said yes. Well, uh, the, it killed him. It, it killed his business because he 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 wasn't prepared. He didn't have the infrastructure to make a zillion of these things. And he tried right. to. He overshot, and he didn't plan it out. Yeah. And so you know, just yeah. as uh, even growth is dangerous. Yeah, it is. Don't you know people? What's the what's the saying? The same people like, well, those are problems I want to have. No, no, you don't. No, it's it's even more frustrating. Yeah, it could kill you even more. So, right, exactly. Well, there's there's certain things like Bed Bath and Beyond and other chains where you have to have a certain amount of product in a warehouse. You have to have certain levels of insurance, which you might not even be able to get at the beginning. And if they don't sell, they send it back to you, and you yeah. got to eat yeah. it. So you invest in all this stuff, and it, it looks really fantastic, right? I got this national chain or whatever. Well, then you better partner with someone mm-hmm. else who's big enough to produce the product and knows that stuff. And, yeah, you know, yeah. and that has to be accounted for yeah. in those numbers that we're avoiding, because, uh, you, you know, you need to f- you need to find out what's the typical return rate and, right. and plug right. that sucker in there to, to the Excel spreadsheet. You know, they don't even think about that. I mean, Amazon takes back billions of dollars a year in returns. You know, I mean, we buy things all the time. We're like, well, let's buy all three of these and then we'll just pick the one we yeah. want and send back the other two. <laughs> and people do that. They That's the Zappos shoe yeah. model, right? He would, you'd buy six shoes. I think War, Warby Parker does it too. You buy six shoes and then you send back four. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, it's, they're, but they got to build it into their pricing. Exactly. Model. Exactly right. So, and, and if it's yeah. not in there, if, the, if that figure is not in there, then your, your, your cost of doing business is going to be lower than it really is or you're, you know, in, on your spreadsheet and then you're in trouble. Yeah. Right. If you're selling hard products, there's no question you're going to have returns. It's yeah. a question of, you know, what's the average and what, you know, if you have a, and then if you have a quality control problem because you're buying it overseas to save money, try and, you know, beat the, the whole volume yeah. thing, um, then you got a yep. bigger issue. Yeah. So it, it gets to be crazy. Well, Ryan, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Uh, the book is A Business Owner's Guide to Money, yep. right? And um, what's the best way for people to connect with you, to learn about what you're doing, to maybe and hire you for advice? Sure. And thank you for that. It's uh, The Business Owner's Guide to Money is the podcast. It's also the book. Uh, you can go to alpha4business, alpha4business.com. Uh, and okay. you can also email me at ryan, R-Y-A-N, at alpha4business.com. Nice and simple. And we'll put that all in the show notes. So I can't thank you enough. Great for uh, joining me today. Stick around. We'll go to credits and then we'll we'll talk a little bit after off the mic. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Accidental Entrepreneur. Opening and closing music written and performed by Howie Moscovich and Made to Order Music. For information about Howie and his music services, please follow the link in our show notes. If you like the podcast, please tell others about us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and most of the other podcast directories. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review and feel free to share our episodes on social media. If you have any questions or comments, ideas for the show, or you'd even like to appear as a guest, reach out to us by email at info at 
The Accidental Entrepreneur is hosted by Mitch Beinacker and produced by Beinacker Law. If you'd like to learn more about our business and legal services, you can find us on social media or visit our website at BeinackerLaw.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our feed to be notified of all future episodes.